Welcome to This Girl Puts Out. I'm your host, Carm Macaretta, and I interview real women with real stories about real life stuff. I'm inviting you to laugh, cry, and connect with my guests as they share some of their most impactful life experiences, from their brightest moments to their darkest hours. For more stories and an opportunity to share your own, visit me at thisgirlputsout.com. Welcome, everybody, to This Girl Puts Out podcast episode number 10. Today, I'd like to introduce you to a special guest and friend of mine, Megan. And Megan is going to share with us her experience of uh, having premature twins. And she's going to talk to us today about... um, parental support uh, while uh, having children in the NICU. Uh, She's got a very, very um, emotional experience to share with us as as well as some um, tips for for others going through the same thing. So welcome, Megan. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, I'm super, super happy to hear you tell this story because I know, I know there are people you're going to help. So So, thank you. Um, So why don't we start with why did you feel compelled to tell the story? Because you were one of the people that actually reached out to me Mm -hmm. and said, I have a story that needs to be told. So what compelled you to do that? Um, I think it's important to bring awareness to NICU life, prematurity, um, those types of things, especially in multiples, because it's so common, really. Um, But also the mental health aspect of it. I'm a very devoted NICU advocate, NICU mom advocate, um, especially at Sisters Hospital in Buffalo, but also mental health advocate as well, because they really go hand in hand. They're just so important. Um, when you enter into the NICU, whether your baby's in the NICU for one day or six months Mm -hmm. or longer. It's just a very important piece that sometimes I feel gets overlooked or missed in the commotion and bubble of the roller coaster ride of your new normal of, you know, driving to a NICU and basically living in a NICU for however many days your baby needs to be there. So, it's just it's important to bring awareness to both mm-hmm. aspects of that. So you felt you weren't you weren't prepared, and and so uh, you're doing this maybe in help and to help others uh, consider that this could be a possibility for them and right because I think that um, a lot of times first time moms, you know, younger moms, thirty um, something moms, forty something moms unless you know someone that has had a baby in the NICU for prematurity or health issues, you might never have even heard the word NICU. Mm -hmm. You might not have even known that um, my girls were in Sisters Hospital NICU. You might not have, you might have gone to Sisters a million times and never knew that they had a NICU there. Mm -hmm. I mean, you are more prepared for it once you start going to your gynecologist, once you become pregnant, especially with multiples, you're just, Mm -hmm. it's talked about constantly you're sonogrammed constantly I was sonogrammed every two weeks for the girls because they're identical so it was always in the back of my mind so I was somewhat prepared for it having being pregnant with twins but I, I don't know I don't think that's the same as when you're pregnant with one baby um we actually toured the NICU at sisters so I was a little bit mentally prepared mm-hmm. I was not mentally prepared for them to be to come 
as early as they did. Mm -hmm. Um, But I assumed maybe they were going to come a little early. Yeah. Um, But it's just like, it's like trying to mentally prepare yourself for someone in your family passing away. You can, you, you just, you can't do it. That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. You know, even if you know that family member is, is getting ready to pass, even right. though you know they're terminal, nothing can prepare you for the moment that it's actually there. No. Um, no. Well, let's start from the beginning and tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, you know, your age, are you married, what do you do, that kind of stuff. Okay, I am 37. Um, I had my girls at 32. They're going to be five in December. Um, I've been married for almost 10 years to my husband, Gary. We've been together, I think like 12 or 13. Mm -hmm. Um, I work inside the home and outside the home part-time. Um, I was home with my girls for about three years Mm -hmm. full-time, um, which was great. And it really worked out with them being so premature. So I'm lucky Mm -hmm. for that and I'm grateful. Do you have a local support system? Do you have family? Do you have friends? You know. Yeah. So yeah. the girls were um, Julietta and Stella. Julietta is baby A, and Stella's baby B. Julietta was was bigger than Stella. That's how they. I think they kind of gauge them when you're, you know, going mm-hmm. for a million mm-hmm. sonograms. So um, they were the first grandchildren on both sides. So it was it was very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, at the first sonogram, we didn't know they were twins. I kind of had a feeling, but. The, yeah, the doctor was like, I'm 99% sure they're not. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I don't know. So then the second sonogram, they were there, Stella was, she was hiding. Um, and so everyone was very excited from the beginning. But I was nervous, obviously, from the time that we found out we were having twins, especially with them mm-hmm. being identical. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yes, they're, the girls are very lucky. They have two sets of grandparents, and they also have a set of great-grandparents, Gary's grandparents. Um, so, I mean, how lucky are they? That's amazing. That's <laughs> yeah. wonderful. Um, so so how was the pregnancy? Describe the pregnancy for us. I mean, um, you, you've, how, how far along were you when you found out you had, were having twins? I think it was like 12. Okay. 12 weeks. Okay. Are there, you said they're identical. Are they, they are. twins that run in the family? Um, so identical is just kind of like fluke. That's not really hereditary. My mom has identical twin cousins. Mm-hmm. And um, my mom's cousin, well, my cousin too, mm-hmm. but my mom's, I, she, I call her my aunt. She, her son has identical twins. Okay. So um, in, in Gary's family, there's a bunch of, a bunch of twins too. Yeah. But no, identical is just... Just happens. just happens. You know, it's rare, but. Yeah. So 12 weeks you find out, mm-hmm. and uh, I asked you two questions at once there. <laughs> <Okay>. Sorry, <laughs> could you describe your pregnancy for us? Um, the first, I knew I was having girls. I didn't, I didn't, we didn't find out, I think, until anatomy scan, I think is when we find out at like 20 weeks the sex. I didn't have the blood work or anything like that. I don't even remember why, but. I was just getting sonogrammed so much, so we just waited for that. And I was very, very sick. And I just knew from the beginning that I was having girls. I knew I was having twins. I knew I was having girls. Um, and we found we find out that they're girls. But, you know, with girls, I don't know if it's a wives' tale, but I was very sick. I had to go on that um, diclegis. Mm-hmm. Um 
honestly, I ate chicken and rice from Olympia like every day at work for lunch because I just, I was just felt sick. I think I, I think I probably lost weight during my pregnancy, even though the girls were actually pretty good mm-hmm. weights for 30 weeks. But, um, second trimester, I felt better. Um, still a little bit sick. And then I had them in my early third trimester. So, yeah. So, so obviously you didn't know they were coming early. Um, no, but they came at 30 weeks, yes. which is 10 weeks sooner than they should have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so I'm sure you were worried, you know, when you, uh, did you go into labor? I, mean, I did. What, yeah. I, my water broke and mm-hmm. I didn't know. Yeah. Um, and then I, um, woke up and I had like pain. Mm-hmm. Um, so I laid back down. It was a Sunday. I think it was either the bills it must have been the Bills, last Bills game, I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, Gary went to work. I got up. I didn't feel good. I lay back down. I slept a little bit. I got back up, and I had blood. So I didn't, it never occurred to me that I was in labor. I just had this fear that I was miscarrying Stella from the beginning because she was the smaller one. Yeah. Um. So obviously I went to the hospital, and they tried to stop it with magnesium or whatever, and then they finally did an exam and they're like, oh, you're, I don't even remember. It just, it all happened really fast. Mm-hmm. I think I went to the hospital at like one mm-hmm. something and I had the girls at four, mm-hmm. almost five. So, um, oh, that was fast. It was very fast. Yeah. And I, and I was, I was eerily calm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I actually was hypnotized for, um, childbirth cause I was just a wreck about it the whole time and um so I don't know if that kicked in or it didn't kick in but I was just calm and I remember Gary's parents came he called them and said they're trying to you know, have the girls not come but they're they're coming and you should you know you should come here and he called my family and everybody came and Gary's parents showed up first and they came into the actual labor and delivery room and I just remember like the nurse was like, you know, they need to leave, blah, blah, blah. And I remember hugging my mother-in-law and just being like, just like, we both started crying, just be like, just pray, please, because mm-hmm. they're so little, especially, she wasn't Stella at the time, but especially, you know, the little one. And, um, and then I had, uh, a C-section and that I was sick during it. And, um, so you were awake, you had, yeah, yes. And, um, which was, Honestly, like, um, everything went really smooth. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And except for I got sick, so I didn't actually physically get to see the girls before they whisked them off to the NICU. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's like 12 people in there because they have to intubate them and bag them and, you know, make sure they can intubate them and, you know, all this medical jargon. So um, Gary watched that part, obviously. I didn't, obviously, the curtain's up. So... Um, so Julietta was three pounds, four ounces. She was like, was she like 15 inches long? Something like that. Mm -hmm. And, um, Stella was two pounds, seven ounces. So they were about a pound. So, so this whole time, I mean, you've got like three hours from the time you get to the hospital (laughs) to the time your daughters are born. Right. 10 weeks early. Right. And you were able to go into this pre-trained place in your brain where you just felt calm i think it's a shock but i also think that um 
the reason I didn't know I was in labor is mm-hmm. because it really wasn't that painful. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes other women and other women's stories and sometimes, you know, when you're pregnant, people will say things to you like mm-hmm. it was so painful for me. It was this. The labor was the worst and all these things. Everybody's different. So I always mm-hmm. like if my friend's pregnant or so, I'm like, just if you'll know if something's wrong, just don't hesitate. If you feel like something's off or something's yeah. wrong, just go to the hospital. Right. Because some people have crippling labor contractions. I didn't. I didn't. So... And my water broke, and I didn't even know. So, oh, so um, it's important to go get checked, right? And yeah. um, everybody, everybody's pain threshold is different, and everybody, mm-hmm. um, everybody's birth experience and birth um, story is is different, right? So, so, um, so you were not. I think. I think too. It, it, like you were already a mother even though they weren't born yet. Right. So so I think that mothering kicks in. You almost, you know, you have to stay calm, right? Right. You know that as, as terrified as you are at the, you know, their, their potential health problems, um, you have to... You have to be calm. You have to right. be strong and you have to be calm. And it's amazing how that takes over. You know. It just kind of kicked in. Yeah. You know what? Sisters was really great about mm-hmm. it. They did a sonogram right before because they wanted to make sure that everything was okay. Mm-hmm. So I knew the girls were okay right before I gave birth. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a routine thing that they do, but that's something that, that they that they did that day. So I think I was able, because I, like I said, I thought I was miscarrying still. I didn't realize that I was in labor at, mm-hmm. at exactly 30 weeks. So I knew that they were okay. Mm-hmm. Um and I knew that every time I went to the gynecologist, they're like, let's just get to 26 weeks. Let's just get to... I knew what mm-hmm. viability was back then. Mm-hmm. It was 26 weeks. Let's mm-hmm. try and get to 26 mm-hmm. weeks. Um, obviously, you don't... There's so many things that can happen. You don't, you don't know. But I knew in my mind right then and there that they were okay. And mm-hmm. they were... I just... I couldn't think about the future or the past. I just had to think about right then and there. They were stable and they were okay. And yeah. they... You know they were in the best hands. Yeah. So, um, so how long, how long were they there? Uh, Julieta, who was the who's the bigger one, three pounds four ounces. She was at Sisters NICU for sixty six days. I think she went home. They were due February twentieth, and they were born December thirteenth. So, I want to. I think she went home like February sixteenth. So she did go home before her mm-hmm. due date. And Stella was 58 days. So Stella came home a week early. Um, she was feisty, Stella. I mean, that's what they say about the the little one. <laughs> she was just, she's just, she still is. She's just, she's feisty. And she did really well in the NICU. She yeah. did, she fed well. She, mm-hmm. um, she did good. She did good. So she actually came home before her sister, her big sister. So let's talk now about, you know, what, what does a mother go through for 66 days she can't bring her babies home? I mean, I'm thinking what it must have felt like to even come home <clears throat> without them. Um, I, I didn't know any better, so I think mm-hmm. in that aspect it pr- was probably easier for me because these were my first babies. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking back to what I felt on a daily basis for 
58 and 66 days, it was, it was hell. I'm just going to be honest. It was, it hopefully is, was, is, and going to be the worst time of my life and probably Gary's too. Although Gary was the rock and he was, you know, the strong one and he always knew that they were going to be okay. But it was, it was horrible. It was horrible. It was traumatic. It was crying every day. It was dealing with people that didn't understand. It was, um, because they don't, you know, you can't understand it unless you've gone through it. You just can't. It's just like someone having cancer. I'm not mm-hmm. saying, not, not comparing the two. I'm just saying you, you can't know what someone is going through unless you have physically gone through it. Mm-hmm. That's with anything, you know, a, a terminal illness, a sick mm-hmm. child, a, losing a child, a baby in the NICU. I mean, you just trudge along and you just keep hoping and praying and mm-hmm. you know and um doing what you're supposed to be doing and i mean thank god that we had the most amazing and wonderful nurses and doctors um that were so supportive and really kept us going mm-hmm. when we felt like we were never like i when i felt like julietta was never going to come home mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously the first thing you're worried about is their survival, right? And and them being okay. Beyond that, I mean, I'm sure you're really not thinking about yourself, but you had to be falling apart, as you just described. It was hell for you. So Right. Um so was it was it touch and go for them at any point? Um No, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Um, no, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, they both were intubated. They both were on ventilator, on a ventilator. Um, I think Stella was on a little bit longer because obviously mm-hmm. she was little. I did get one beta shot for a steroid mm-hmm. shot for their lungs like an mm-hmm. hour before. Um, I think Stella was on the ventilator for like nine days and Julieta was on for like a week. And then obviously they're on yeah. oxygen. Stella had a pick. They have a belly, like a an IV line, I think, in their belly for a little bit. You know, they have the monitors, they have the feeding tube. I mean, it's a lot of it's a lot of equipment, it's a lot of tubes, but it was not worst case scenario. No, mm-hmm. they did they did really they did really well in the beginning. So I I mean, obviously in your head you think, oh my, what's gonna happen, right? Especially to Stella, but I knew that they that they were gonna that they were gonna be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, in that aspect, mm-hmm. I mean, they can get like the knack it's called where like their, um, their gut, something with their gut and the intestines. And that's what you kind of worry about at the beginning. Um, so once, you know, each tube starts coming off, it's just, it's a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time it doesn't feel easier mm-hmm. per se, but, mm-hmm. um, now looking back on it, um, it's just a flow like this, you know, the ventilator comes out, the oxygen goes mm-hmm. on and then the belly line comes out and then the IV goes in or the pick goes in and then the IV comes out and, you know, eventually towards the middle to the end, they're just on a feeding tube and the monitor. When were you able to hold your babies? Um, Six days because of the belly line and, mm-hmm. be- and they worry about like their head, you know, their mm-hmm. head is like very... Um, and their skin, you know, they mm-hmm. don't, they don't like to be touched. Their skin's yeah. almost like gelatinous and, you know, they have to go under the lights cause they're 
so jaundiced and they're mm-hmm. they come out like so tan and red and um but it's not like holding it's not like real real holding yeah but um we were happy to just hold for like i think santa came and um santa held them actually before we did and we got to, they were stable enough for us to be able to hold them mm-hmm. for probably a minute mm-hmm. maybe wow and um they're like you know t- together they're like five pounds so it's not like you have that like satisfaction almost of like holding a bait you know what i mean it's like yeah. almost like holding like there was blankets and <laughs> yeah you know hats and so um but it, it, i mean it was an amazing feeling but then soon after that you got to do kangaroo which is like skin to skin they lay mm-hmm. the baby on your chest and then that mm-hmm. helps with like your milk production and bonding and we were lucky because we had twins so gary was yeah. able to kangaroo too because that's important um and that was amazing so we got to do that i think almost every single day until mm-hmm. probably like a month until they could wear clothes and we could kind of hold them like a real baby <laughs> <laughs> wow um i can't imagine you know i've I've seen the little babies in the NICU with all the tubes, and and I can't imagine one of them being mine and not being able to to hold them. That that must be where the hell part comes in for you. Well, I think it's just um, you just don't you don't know. Like mm-hmm. you know what I mean. You're a first time mom, and mm-hmm. sister does a sister does a really good job of not loading you up with too much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, NICU babies have eye tests because they have, you know, their retina is premature and they get um, brain scans and they get echoes. And, you know, the girls did have some health issues. Mm-hmm. You know, Julietta had a grade two brain bleed. Um, Stella had two heart murmurs. And then later we found out she had a grade one brain bleed. And that's really where the hell part comes in because you're thinking, oh, my God, you know, like what's next Mm. you know um because you're just you're just nervous you're nervous about cp you're nervous about pvl which is like i think a lower grade of c you know you're just nervous about all these things are they going to be able to walk are they going to be able to talk and you you just don't know because you're not a doctor and you don't know what's going to happen and um you know, it's again, they're they're amazing there, so they just they help you walk through it. I remember mm-hmm. the neonatologist brought me um a drawing of a brain and he said this is, you know, where Julieta's brain bleed is and if it doesn't go down, she's gonna have to go to children's and get a shunt and they had a plan and obviously that was nerve wracking. But it didn't happen. So we were you know, and both their brain bleeds um healed. Mm-hmm. So there was no and Stella's heart murmurs closed. I mean we're very, 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 very lucky. <laughs> so, um, like, I have to, you know, I have to talk about the bad stuff, but then I also have to say that a, a, a two-pound and three-pound baby's body is amazing, the things that they can heal themselves, mm-hmm. all these, you know, premature complications. So, um, and the, when you're in the thick of it, it's it's horrible and it's traumatic, but when you look back on it and mm-hmm. you think it was a blessing in disguise and this is the way that it was just supposed to be yeah. and that my girls are strong and 
This was their journey. This was their plan. Right. And this was our journey and this was our plan. And, um, we're incredibly lucky because a lot of NICU parents premature or full term are not. Mm -hmm. And it's important to, um, it's important to tell the story, but it's also important to remember those families too, because their journey is completely different. Mm -hmm. Um, their light at the, you know, at the end of the tunnel is different than my light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a blessing in disguise, but we had a happy ending and we're very lucky and fortunate, but I also have empathy and sympathy for those families that don't. And it's important to talk about that aspect too. So how did you cope? I mean, how did you get through 66 days? Did you just keep pushing or, I mean, what, what, what what got you through it? You, um, you just have to, I mean, I feel like the first two weeks are like, I like to call them the fuzzy weeks. You're just kind of like a zombie in a daze and you're healing from a C-section or a natural birth and you can't drive and you might've had preeclampsia and someone's dropping you off and picking you up and it's just kind of crazy and you can't really touch them a lot, you know, because they don't really like to be touched and you're doing a lot of like listening to the nurse telling you what's going to happen and um, you just kind of get through. I mean, my mom was a really good support um, being a nurse and she knew that, you know, the girls didn't need her right then and there. They needed to be with me and Gary, mm-hmm. um, and she was great. I mean, listen, grandparents get excited when babies are born, whether it's premature or not, especially when the well, especially when there's two, mm-hmm. <laughs> and especially when these are the first grandchildren on both sides. Yeah, there's a big expectation. It's, yeah, it's a big mm-hmm. expectation. Everybody's excited. You know, everybody wants to come and see them, and um, everyone's coming to see you in the hospital and all of these things. But at night, when you're alone, you're breaking down because this is not how it was supposed to be, right? Yeah. This is... So those first four days that I was in the hospital were literally the worst the worst days of my life. Um, just the hormones and the pumping and the... It just, you know, it, it wasn't a happy... The girls were born, right? And the girls were healthy, but it people would say congratulations and you're just like congratulations for what like (laughs) like it's just it's very it messes with your mind you know what I mean I get it (laughs) and it's just it's just very very strange Mm -hmm. and um so it's you know it's hard because you're trying to navigate everything and you want people to be able to see the, you know, you want your immediate family to be able to see the the babies and everything, and they did. Mm-hmm. But then when you're getting down to, like, the feeding or you're trying mm-hmm. to breastfeed, it's very important that you're just, like, trying to really just be. It's it's very different. I don't know if you ever fed a preemie baby, but you kind of have to hold them on their side and kind of, it's very awkward. to mm-hmm. You just don't hold them like a normal baby and feed mm-hmm. them. You have to, like. Because they most of them have reflux, so you're like have. To, it's just a strange feeling. So it's and it's important for them to learn how to feed because the nurses are physically and the OTs and the NICU are physically teaching them mm-hmm. how, how to, to eat, how to eat, mm-hmm. suck, swallow, breathe at the same time. Because in utero they learn that at like 36 weeks with the amniotic fluid mm-hmm. or whatever. So they're actually teaching 
They're teaching the baby how to do that. They're teaching the baby how to stay warm. They're teaching the baby how to use a pacifier, Mm -hmm. how to tolerate clothes. I mean, and then trying to get them to gain as much weight as they possibly can, too. I mean, those babies are doing a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So it's important for um, the parents, especially first-time parents, or even not even first-time parents, like that fed their newborn normal Mm -hmm. typical and so when it gets down to crunch time it's really like you just gotta you gotta focus but nothing is going to plan nothing right right no nothing is going to plan so you have to create this new this new reality this new path and yeah i could see you like being sad about the fact that you didn't have the birth that you wanted that you know you didn't have the the their their birthdays were not the way you had expected them and, and right you have to grieve you yeah. have to grieve it yeah. like, you know and you have to um you have to grieve i fortunately had my shower early because mm-hmm. the girls we wanted to have it before thanksgiving um so i was lucky but you know i meet a lot of nicu moms there that their baby is in the has been in the nicu for a month and they're having their baby shower i can't imagine that oh. i mean I didn't even think about yes. that. Yes, so yeah. you didn't you didn't get to have maternity yeah. photos, you know, with your husband, you know, fakely cradling your <laughs> your <laughs> your stomach and being all I shouldn't say fakely, but like I just made that word up, yeah. but like cradling your stomach and like gazing in your eyes because you're so happy that you're about to have a baby. You know, I think there's like two pictures of Gary and I. You know, I'm heavier, so I didn't really show until almost mm-hmm. I had the girls mm-hmm. at 30 weeks. So. Um, you know, you have to grieve that aspect of it. You have to grieve that enjoy, you know, the nesting. I never got to nest. Like we, I think we picked the girl's furniture up. Like they were two weeks old. We went to buy a baby and got the furniture because we're like, we thought we had all this time. I didn't even have a bag packed to go to the hospital. I'm like, bring my slippers, bring my chapstick, you know, bring that, that nice smelling lotion. Yeah. We had nothing. (laughs) So you, yeah, you have to, but Again, those are all things that you eventually will get over. And some things are more yeah. important to other people. But I was thankful I didn't have to sit at a baby shower with my babies yeah. already being born. Yeah. That's got to be hard. Very, very hard. Yeah. So you've, you've just talked about several challenges that you face from worrying about them physiologically to, you know, some of the things that you've gone through. What Are there other challenges... Um, that other people wouldn't wouldn't expect or that other people wouldn't think of other things that you went through that somebody like me would never think of um no i mean i think i i think i covered mm-hmm. most of it i mean there's also a lot of guilt you're thinking that um i did something i mm-hmm. i walked too much i Went didn't, for a bike ride. I, I didn't need the right thing. Right. Yeah. I my my jeans were too tight towards the end. I didn't buy pregnancy jeans yet, and so I squeezed them out. I mean, you couldn't just hear. You just hear. Yeah. <laughs> because you just do. The mom guilt starts early, mm-hmm. you know, and um, you feel you feel guilty, and I feel like you have to acknowledge it and process it, and then, but you can't you can't stay stuck in it. You just have to move on. So you did say that you had uh, supportive family and friends. Um, 
did was there was there care for your mental health in the in the hospital or within the that NICU program? I didn't. Um, there probably was, but I probably didn't mm-hmm. really know. I mean, you have your mm-hmm. six week postpartum when you fill out the questionnaire, but if you're not quote unquote mm-hmm. um, feeling like you want to hurt yourself or someone around you, I think that's the red flag that they're really looking for, mm-hmm. right? But in my journey, I feel like um, what you're going through is a trauma. I mean, it's it's traumatic. Um, and you kind of don't feel the postpartum de- depression if you do um, become, like if you do have that, mm-hmm. um, you don't really feel that un- until I feel like towards the end or even when you get home. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's being masked almost. It is because yeah. it's it's there's no room in your head, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, for it. I mean, I wish that, my biggest regret is that I wish that, you know, the girls were born on a Sunday and I wish I would have made a mental health um, visit, a counselor visit on a Monday. I've, you know, I, I've had mental health and counseling help like half my life and I don't know why I didn't think that (laughs) it was something that I was going to need um I mean the nurses do a really good job and your family is there to support you and your friends are there to support you as much as they can um and I did have some friends that have gone through it so I Mm -hmm. was able to lean on them um which was amazing and I had a little NICU bestie that she had twins at the same time because back then we were in big pods now Mm -hmm. the NICU is private rooms um, and she had already had two kids before, so she, so we really relied on it. I mean, I relied on her more mm-hmm. than she relied on mm-hmm. me, but it was nice to have, excuse me, that, that person there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the piece that was lacking and, you know, I've tried to make strides. I volunteer at Sisters Hospital now and I, I do the support group for them and I do parent mentor visits now that they are in private rooms. Mm-hmm. It's very important to talk about the mental health aspect of it, um, especially with multiples, because you're more at risk and you're just more at risk in general being in the NICU, and you're just you're even more at risk being having twins, triplets, quadruplets, mm-hmm. um, especially if you've suffered from depression in the past, which I have. Um, you're also hyper vigilant because mm-hmm. you have to go through cold and flu season, and you have to quarantine the babies or baby. Mm-hmm. You know, and everyone has to get their flu shot and their Tdap shot, and um, it's it's hard. It's it's hard that that it's all hard, but it's it's something that would have really helped if I would have been able to physically talk to a so, mental health yeah. person. Well, I mean, look at we all put we all put our needs on the shelf when there's bigger stuff going on, right? We're real quick to minimize our own needs. And so I don't, you know, I can definitely see how that would happen. You know, you're too busy worrying about the kids health, the kids health and and, and things that seem more important. Right. Right. We know how important your mental stability is you right know? It's of course just, um, of course you know being a mom it just doesn't you, you just think there's other more important things at the time so um so you definitely 
being on the other side of it, know that there were holes, there were things that that could have made your experience better. And mental health, professional mental health support is one of them. Yes. So I did, I when the girls were around six months, I just, uh, with the sleep deprivation, you know, the, the girls still had to eat every three hours. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. You know, with the sleep, the sleep deprivation alone, okay, mm-hmm. take out the NICU, take mm-hmm. out all that stuff, take out right. twins. The sleep deprivation for a mom and one baby, okay, that that maybe eats every three and a half to four hours, or you know, some babies eat every two. It all it depends mm-hmm. on the baby. Every mm-hmm. baby's different, but you not being able to, and then pumping or breastfeeding or feeling guilty about not breastfeeding and feeling guilty about all you know the dishes, that's all of it. It's all it's all a lot in itself. Any scenario, any any mom is overwhelmed. Initially, absolutely. right, and sleep deprived, mm-hmm. right. So it's like um, the sleep deprivation was just like really, really getting to me, and I just felt like a zombie, and yeah. I just was like, I have to, I have to do something. And at that time, I found two postpartum counselors in this area, and I emailed um, them, and Julie Rosinski emailed me back right away, and she was in, I think, Hamburg mm-hmm. at the time. So she got me in right away, and she, within the first five minutes of speaking to her, I already had felt better, because it was just like, when you're in the NICU, the, the nurses are so, especially when you're there for two months, the nurses are so, so those are, that's your main support system, mm-hmm. is the nurses. Mm-hmm. Um you joke with them, you get to know them, you become close with them. I mean, they're like our second family. Yeah. I mean, they just are. Yeah, we, they're taking care of your baby. Right. right. I mean, they they're, saved my yeah. girls' lives. I don't I will never be able to ever explain how thankful and grateful I am to them. That's why I've gone back and and tried to help with the parent support group and all of these things because that's my way of paying them them back and trying mm-hmm. to, you know, just show them a little ounce of gratefulness that I feel for them so um Julie was amazing and now she actually since then she has like a western York western York postpartum um group Mm -hmm. that has all these postpartum counselors now and she was like you need to go and get blood work done and all these things and she'd give me homework and journaling to do and we worked through the trauma we worked (laughs) through the rage because I had a lot of rage I was mad was I was mad at what happened. I was mad that I didn't feel like I was as supported um, at home that I felt that I was in the NICU. I, I cried on on the day Julietta came home because I didn't want to leave. <laughs> well, you know, you just you bring up a, a really important part that we kind of skipped over, um, <laughs> that I skipped over, but just, you know, during the interview, I've realized there's the whole... That whole scenario that that occurs at the hospital, the time that they're at the NICU and the time that, that you're at home without them, and then you get them home and it's not that's not the end of the story. That's not mm-hmm. you know, that's the just happy the beginning. Ending. Exactly. That's that- just the beginning. You have you know, you have cardiologists, you have um, Robert Warner Developmental Developmental Clinic that you follow up with for two years until they're two years old because that's when they give them Mm -hmm. to catch up you have early intervention and then when you're done with early intervention you have cpsc through the school district i mean my girls went through both of those you have um eye doc they still go to the eye doctor Mm -hmm. eye doctor appointment you have to 
trying to think. I mean, I think Stella saw almost every specialist at Children's. Mm-hmm. She had this weird torticollis neck thing that that she ended up having to go to a chiropractor that the chiropractor, I mean, she had PT on it for two years. The chiropractor fixed mm-hmm. it in like two visits. I mean, you are at Children's a lot, you know, with yeah. just minimal medical so concerns. I was trying to think of why did it take you six months to get to a mental health <laughs> provider but you just explain why it's it was a full-time plus job taking right care and you of, just felt like it was girls at home you just felt like it was gonna it was gonna go away you just felt mm-hmm. like it was just it was twins it was sleep deprivation it was mm-hmm. bringing them whole, home during cold and flu it was hypervigilant that they were going to get rsv and go to children's and be on a vent and die i mean it was it was it was a lot. It was. It doesn't yeah. stop. It doesn't yeah. stop for parents. That's why it's so important that if you're going to get that, you feel like you need some mental health help. You have to get it while you're in the NICU because yeah. that transition from going home is so amazing. Listen, it's the best. It's the best feeling in the world bringing those girls home. But it doesn't stop. It's it's a whole be- other beast. Yeah, and you're letting go of the security, <clears throat> the security of the NICU, right? And and so. Um, Boy, you just, I'm really, really, this is all settling in with me right now it's as lot. we're talking. It's a lot. It's a lot. <clears throat> so so um, another another different kind of hell, <laughs> but right. a much higher level. Um, right. So so um, advice for for parents, you're saying they need to get that, that support, that professional mental health support system in place. Right. As, as soon as they can. Right. So um, a lot is, so with parent mentor visits, it's you physically go into the room and you talk to the parent one-on-one, NICU parent to NICU parent. Yeah. So you're visiting new parents. Right. Uh-huh. Right. And just telling them a little bit about my story. Mm-hmm. And um, then you, you're referring to like Julie Rosinski at Western New York Postpartum. Mm-hmm. You're referring to Horizon. There's actually a Horizon um counselors on Mm -hmm. sisters campus Mm -hmm. that we now refer parents to we Mm -hmm. now have a NICU dads um Mm -hmm. parent support group at Mm -hmm. sisters and we have more parent mentors so the parent mentor is kind of the liaison from the parent the NICU to if you feel like you need you need some help Mm -hmm. you're feeling you know it's it's hard because it's hard to admit that you might need a little bit of help. Now I'm a I am a super huge mental health advocate and I, I, my soul needs it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my life needs it and I'm I'm very headstrong for the girls mental health too and I don't I don't see the taboo in it probably because my mom you know took me to a counselor when I was 14 years old cuz she felt like I needed mm-hmm. I needed it. So um there's not there's not too much taboo around it in my aspect mm-hmm. of of it but um other people still other yeah and it, and I get it listen yeah. I get it so I I think by telling other moms other dads other people um even grandparents mm-hmm. I mean like it this is a trauma this is a yeah. traumatic thing that has happened this is you, you know erupted your your lives and this is your grandchild and this is your child and you don't know what's going to happen you know tomorrow mm-hmm. anything can happen so it's important to you know, gain some perspective mm-hmm. in it because the transitions can be, you know, in the NICU, the feeding tube comes out and then you go in the next day and the feeding tube is back in. Yeah. 
you know, there's a lot of back and forth, two mm-hmm. steps ahead, 10 steps back mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's hard because it's like, you're just trying to get to that, the end, right? You're just, yeah. you're trying to get that baby home, those babies home. But it's, it's just, it's a lot of static and craziness in your mm-hmm. head. And you sometimes need to t- speak to a professional to just get your thoughts in order. We, we yeah. also, um, like to tell parents to journal. We'll give them a journal, yeah. like a, a cute color pen. We'll get some men, you know, manly journals for the dads and um, journal. Like sit there because you're some of those parents are sitting there eight hours a day looking at an incubator, yeah. waiting every three hours to take the temperature and, and change the baby's diaper. You know, that's what they're waiting for. So it's... Journal while you're sitting there. Journal, write, write, write physically yeah. write. I mean... Write your feelings down. Write the good, but yeah. then write the bad. But yeah. just don't stay. Just don't stay okay. in the bad. Because there is good, you yeah. know? There is good in there. I could imagine, like, there's, you know, moms have all kinds of pressures when when their kids are term and when they're healthy to, you know, um, oh, everybody has has advice to give you on how your child should be sleeping and what you know to do with their feeding and blah 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 and we're always trying to live up to this this excellent this wonderful Not scenario me, you know but <laughs> but you, you but know, let, no i get it and I, mothers are right mothers are hard on other mothers right you know no it's um, so true you're not i've never been judged and i've never judged people like it's it's very it's very hard it's a vicious slope it's a slippery slope it is it is and so you know you might you're trying to push through and pretend that things are okay and and they're not <laughs> they're not i mean i had one child i had a great pregnancy i had a a, a c section but a, a healthy delivery and i can recall feeling some of the things that you described you know and that's in a good situation mm-hmm. so i cannot imagine what what you went through so um you just do it yeah. you know us as women we just you just trudge push through you just push through you trudge you trudge through and yeah. i think that's i think that's what's so amazing about women honestly yeah. you know men do it their a different way they do it their own way i'm not discrediting them you know gary was the <clears throat> rock that gary was the one saying megan they're going to be okay but um, the dads, you know, the dads can have postpartum yeah. depression too, yeah. you know, and you gotta, you can't discount the dads. So I'm thankful for our NICU dad that does a support group. Cause that's, you know, amazing. And, um, you just do it, you yeah. just do it and you just hope and pray that you have a happy ending. And listen, if you don't get a happy ending, you just, you really, you really have to try and get some mental health yeah health it's it's just it's not a we it's not a sign of weakness Mm -hmm. to me it's a sign of strength knowing that you need help right and you just you have to do it because you want you want to get better you just you can't you know there's a lot of some NICU moms and dads are get mad Mm -hmm. um mad at whoever you know Mm -hmm. mad at at themselves mad at the world I get it I really really get it I didn't have that that um emotion towards it when we were in there but Mm -hmm. i i had it after but everybody reacts to it differently why did this happen to me why did this have to happen this isn't the way that we plan for it to happen this disrupts you know our perfect life that that we have and we just got we just got married and you know the picket fence is coming next week and listen you can have the picket fence in the in-ground pool and 
you know, all that stuff and, you know, and love and peace. But man, that peace is priceless. <laughs> that peace in your head, yeah. that calmness, that yeah. I can think clearly, I can really know what's going on and I, I don't feel fuzzy and crazy and yeah. tired. <laughs> when did that come for you? <laughs> Are you there yet? <laughs> I am. I am. The first year, you know, as with any baby, I'm sure you had this with your son too. Like the first year's hard, right? Yes. Once they start sleeping through the night, it's just a lot easier. Yeah. You know, and because you're rested at that right, point. Right. You're rested. Yeah. And honestly, you have to be like when people are like, sleep when the baby sleeps, people get mad at that. But it's like, you gotta. You, you at least lay down and put your feet up and watch Netflix or something. Right. Like, you know, I'm not a super um, domesticated. <laughs> like, I'll I'll put my feet up on the couch now and let uh-huh. the, the dishes pile up. That, but that's like you know, that's people are different. Some people can't, can't do, do that. that. They yeah. can't relax, right. right? But you have to relax a little bit because it's too much. It's too. Did you? Is that something that you learned from the journey, <laughs> or were you always like? That? No, I was always like that. <laughs> I get that from my mom. <laughs> So, so your girls are healthy now. Yes, they yeah. will be five in December. They, um, they're in pre-K four right now, and um, they get to wear a uniform. Thank God, because they're both divas, <laughs> and say, I don't want to wear that color underwear. I mean, they still argue about the underwear and the socks, but thank God for uniforms. And um, yeah, they, you know, we had, we had a crazy two years, but they caught up. And honestly, looking at them, you would never. You would never know that they were two and three pounds. You, they're tall and, you know, strong and smart, strong-willed and so and so smart, like too smart sometimes. Yeah. And um, how precious that like they're having an argument about the color of the underwear, like in in thinking about where you were for that right. two years, right? And, you know, I mean, that's, that's they all precious. get there. You know, yeah. it's 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 hard. You know, but there's there's things that help early intervention Robert Warner I mean I'm a super huge advocate for early intervention CPSC getting the help you know because they because they're 10 weeks early they're two and a half months early you can't expect them my girls didn't walk till 16 and 17 months and I was okay with that yeah because then they tore the house up you know and um they all get there yeah you know nobody really cares if your kid walked at nine months good for you like I'm like, I'm always like, ugh, I got 16 and 17 months. Like, what are you, <laughs> I'm going to brag, you know? Like, that's amazing some babies yeah. walk at nine months. But, like, then your life's over. Right. You know? So. Well, you're not going to sit down much. Then, no, sure. you're not. Yeah. Especially with twins. Yeah. But, um, and honestly, too, I think sometimes we're lucky because I can't imagine, like, having twins naturally, right? You only have mm-hmm. to stay in the hospital for two days. And then just like taking two babies home. Like my girls were trained. They mm-hmm. were, they, they drank a bottle and they went to sleep. You know, when the pediatrician let them sleep through the night at six months, they slept through the night. I mean, they were good sleepers. They were good mm-hmm. eaters. They were trained by the best. People yeah. get mad when I say trained, but like they were, they yeah. were on a schedule. I stick to it. Mm-hmm. It was very, I can't imagine <laughs> trying to get those babies on a schedule by myself. I don't know how people bring home newborn full-term twins. I just don't. Yeah. I don't. I feel lucky that they were trained for 66 days. Yeah. Um, so that's got, that, 
I don't know how people do it with one bead. Like, what do you do? You don't, like, you just... Well, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. And, right. and everybody's trying to tell you how to do it. Right. That's, well, see, that's, that's a good thing, thing, too, about annoying. being in the NICU. No, see, that's another good thing. Because you're like, oh, no, 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 no. I was taught by the best. Like, yeah. we had, like, a NICU nurse that was, like, there for 37 mm-hmm. years. Like, no, no, no. That's not how we do it. So that is actually a major a perk. Yeah. You know how to swaddle. You know you know what I mean? Yeah. You know how to do everything perfectly yeah. because you were taught by NICU yeah. nurses. I mean, who who better to teach you? Yeah. Who helped you figure out how to navigate all of the um the services like that you had to get at home? Did you? I mean, so how did you find out I'm what I'm very you lucky and- that um Buffalo has a um, mothers of multiples group. Mm-hmm. This is where sometimes I feel bad for singleton moms. That's what mm-hmm. we call them, singleton moms. I feel bad sometimes because I joined this Western New York Mothers of Multiples. I think the girls were like nine months. You also mm-hmm. can join when you're pregnant, but I didn't mm-hmm. know that. And if your kid, if your twins didn't get services, they were kind of like abnormal in this club. Because a lot of twins are early, and a lot mm-hmm. of twins, even if they're full term, need you know a lot of kids need speech, a lot of yeah. kids need PT, they need OT. Like, there's nothing wrong with that, you know. Yeah. And um, it's it was so nice to have that support yeah. after, and you just you just ask a mom, you ask for help, you yeah. just ask for help, and you're like, how do I fill out this paperwork? How do I how do I pick an agency to come and evaluate my kids? Robert yeah. Warner really helps with that too. Uh-huh. Um, but Robert Warner, you, you go to the service there mm-hmm. at Children's and I was like, I can't, it was going to be just me. I'm like, yeah. I can't take these kids to Children's, yeah. you know, for PT and eventually speech. Like I just can't do it. So early intervention is so great. And I talk about that a lot in my parent visits too, because it's free. They come mm-hmm. to your home, you know, you want to give your child the best case scenario to catch up and be ready when they go to preschool mm-hmm. or kindergarten. Mm-hmm. A whole other ball of stress, though, right? So now, but, but good. But I mean, it, yes. But there's help out yeah. there. You just have yeah. to be told, mm-hmm. right? And I, um, I'm happy to tell people if they're yeah. if they want to listen what what's out there. Yeah, you know, and um, it's all good things. <clears throat> all all things to help your you have to become your once your child's born yeah. you have to become yeah. their advocate you just you have to whether they of course what you know healthy premature not yeah. you just i have no choice that comes with the mom and dad role yeah. or the mom and mom role or the dad and dad role i mean that's just what happens <laughs> We could go on forever. We I'm could. realizing could. <laughs> some things I didn't ask you about when we were talking about challenges. We didn't talk about your marriage, how how this all affected your marriage. I'm sure it was difficult. Um Gary and I grew very, very close mm. during the time the mm. girls in the NICU. I mm. mean twins is a strain. A one baby is a strain on marriage. You know, Gary works a sixty hour a week job mm-hmm. and um, he's tired mm-hmm. anyways. And, um, you know, we've had a lot of ups and downs this past five years, but we, um, our common ground is the way that we want to raise mm-hmm. our girls. And um, we agree on that. And that's, you know, we agree on their mental health and we agree on school and raising them and morals and um, things like that. Yeah. And I think that's 
important. And thank God that we agree on those things, yeah. right? And so um, we navigated, I feel, mm-hmm. pretty pretty well. But, you know, we're not the same people that we were. You know, we're just not. I'm not. I haven't gone back to my normal. I'm trying to. I actually um, just started, like, about almost a year ago, I started seeing another counselor to work on me and my stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, I worked on the trauma of the girls in the NICU and all that stuff. And um, now I'm working on me. Now I'm working on just trying to navigate motherhood still five years later because it's it's a lot but it's also the best it's it's the best when they come over and they put their cheek i mean it's i die for them you know you just you just would you know they are freaking nuts and crazy (laughs) and make me so tired and they're both so strong-willed and oh they really they work you. <laughs> they work me and they tear they tear me down, man, and they but they are the best thing that Gary and I have ever done. And they are so cute and so beautiful and so sweet and so crazy <laughs> and so bad and so naughty and so many things you know what I mean? Yeah. Good and bad things, but the good days outweigh the bad and and Gary and I's relationship too, the good still always the bad. So yeah. I'll hold on to it. I'll hold yeah. on to that for as long as I can. I think it stands to reason that you're not, you're never going to be the person you were before you had the girls. And and I think that's okay. Yeah, I do. You know, you know I do too. I think it's, you know, it's different. The, mm-hmm. All these things that happen to you in your life change you. Well, and yeah, you grow and you evolve and, and hopefully into something wiser, something more compassionate. Right. You know? Right. Um, you certainly are grateful. That is clear. I am. I'm and so grateful. the fact that you're giving back and helping. I'm happy to. It I'm, shows how, how grateful you are. And I'm happy they allow me. Yeah. They allow me to. Um, that they've allowed me to come back. You know, yeah. um, we've had a little hiatus with mm-hmm. COVID, but mm-hmm. I've just recently been allowed to come back. So, um, and it's, you know, it's needed. It's yeah. needed. So, um yeah, I just I'm forever grateful. I'm I'm just I I can't express it <laughs> enough. What um I'm gonna ask you two more questions okay. and then we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna wrap up. I know. So I know. so I I like to end with this question. I'd like to ask first of all, what piece of advice, you know, do you think that, that moms in your position need most? And I think you answer that by saying, you know, you need the mental health support. Am I wrong? No, no, you're that's, not. That's a hundred. It's a hundred, a hundred percent. You know, um, but I want to know what you did right. What you're most proud of? Um, I'm probably most proud of advocating for them. Um, it's hard to advocate for yourself. Yeah, you know, it's. I I realize. I think back on my life, and I'm like, when did I ever advocate this hard for my for myself. You know, you got to fight for those services. You got to fight um you got to fight to make people understand, you know, that twins, especially identicals are not one unit. You know, they're two individual children. And you know, Gary and I struggle with that. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's a lot. We try to do things separate. We try to separate. You know, they get on each other's nerves. And would you want someone that looks exactly like you following you around all day? I wouldn't. Like even at five, they're just, you know, they get sick of it. Yeah. So, um, I think that I did a really good job with all the follow-up appointments and, 
you know, advocating for them and and being present for things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it wasn't always perfect, obviously. we None of us are, but I feel like um, it's helped. Yeah. And I feel it's in, it's important to try and give your kids the best chance that you can give them. And um, I think it, it's important to give back. I think it's important to talk about mental health. I think it's important to um, talk about the good and the bad. And um, it's important to give yourself some grace and not, you know, I... No one can say anything to me that I haven't said to myself in my head a million times. Mm. No one could hurt me and say something negative or mean to me that I haven't maybe thought about in my 37 years on this Mm. earth. And I think a lot of us do that in maybe preparing our hearts or our brains for something bad or traumatic to happen. But I know I'm my worst critic, but... I also know that I do a lot of things right for my girls and um they're number 1. Yeah. You know, and that's hard. Yeah. That's hard cuz there's a lot of other stuff that's important too. You know, your marriage is important, your family's important, the the grocery shopping is important. You know? yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, going to work is important. It's a, it's a lot to juggle. It's a lot. And I think women put a lot of pressure on themselves and I think being able to navigate that is something really good that you can learn through motherhood yeah. you know you have to be hard on yourself but you also have to be like I'm doing a good freaking job like just shut up <laughs> you know like just yeah we stop. don't stop <laughs> I think in general we don't tell ourselves that enough um but You've you're done. doing a good job. You're doing a good job. <laughs> I'm trying. You are. You're doing um, a good job. And I'm doing I'm a good job. Man. I don't even need you to tell me. You're, I already know. I'm doing I'm doing the job. best I can, yeah. you know? So we all are. So you just gotta you just gotta give everybody a little a little grace. Yes. A little said. grace. A little grace. Um you're very wise for your years. I regret that I haven't had a conversation with you before now. Um you're just you're really fun to talk to thank and you. Thank um you. i learned a lot listening to you today and you had a lot to say yeah <laughs> thank you for doing this i know there are some people out there that needed needed your story and thank you Hopefully. for being so honest and uh yeah if i get any uh reach outs through yes. the website pass um, them i will pass them, pass on them to along you we have lots of we have a facebook group for thank you support mm-hmm. i'm always a Facebook Messenger message away. I'm I'm happy to talk to you know anybody that's at any NICU in any hospital. You know, it doesn't have just have to be sisters. I've talked to lots of moms at Children's, and I'm happy to do it. You know, you just need one person to be like, I understand what you're yeah. going through, and you're just like, oh, thank God. It's <laughs> very generous of you. Um, thank you for doing this. This was thank you. so fun. Thank you for allowing I, me to. I appreciate it. And uh, I know that we're going to get a lot of a lot of listens to this one. Good. good. Um, so so. Uh, on behalf of This Girl Puts Out and my audience, thank you, Megan, for being here. And this wraps up episode number 10. And thank you all for listening and stay tuned. Take care. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, 
please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And for more stories about real-life women, visit thisgirlputsout.com. Thank you.